Book Four, Chapter Two of My Antonia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. My Antonia by Willa Cather, Book Four, The Pioneer Woman's Story, Chapter Two. Soon after I got home that summer, I persuaded my grandparents to have their photographs taken. And one morning I went to the photographer's shop to arrange for sittings. While I was waiting for him to come out of his developing room, I walked about trying to recognize the likenesses on his walls. Girls in commencement dresses, country brides and grooms holding hands, family groups of three generations. I noticed in a heavy frame one of those depressing crayon enlargements, often seen in farmhouse parlors. The subject being a round-eyed baby in short dresses, the photographer came out and gave a constrained, apologetic laugh. That's Tony Shamirda's baby. You remember her? She used to be the Harlings' Tony. Too bad. She seems proud of the baby, though. Wouldn't hear of a cheap frame for the picture. I expect her brother will be in for it Saturday. I went away feeling that I must see Antonia again. Another girl would have kept her baby out of sight, but Tony, of course, must have its picture on exhibition at the town photographer's in a great gilt frame. How like her! I could forgive her, I told myself, if she hadn't thrown herself away on such a cheap sort of fellow. Larry Donovan was a passenger conductor, one of those train crew aristocrats who are always afraid that some one may ask them to put up a car window, and who. If requested to perform such a menial service, silently point to the button that calls the porter. Larry wore this air of official aloofness even on the street, where there were no car windows to compromise his dignity. At the end of his run, he stepped indifferently from the train along with the passengers, his street hat on his head and his conductor's cap in an alligator-skin bag, went directly into the station and changed his clothes. It was a matter of the utmost importance to him, never to be seen in his blue trousers away from the train. He was usually cold and distant with men, but with all women he had a silent, grave familiarity, a special handshake accompanied by a significant, deliberate look. He took women, married or single, into his confidence, walked them up and down in the moonlight, telling them what a mistake he had made by not entering the office branch of the service. And how much better fitted he was to fill the post of general passenger agent in Denver than the rough-shod man who then bore that title. His unappreciated worth was the tender secret Larry shared with his sweethearts, and he was always able to make some foolish heart ache over it. As I drew near home that morning, I saw Mrs. Harling out in her yard, digging round her mountain ash tree. It was a dry summer. And she had now no boy to help her. Charlie was off in his battleship, cruising somewhere on the Caribbean Sea. I turned in at the gate. It was with a feeling of pleasure that I opened and shut the gate in those days. I liked the feel of it under my hand. I took the spade away from Mrs. Harling, and while I loosened the earth around the tree, she sat down on the steps and talked about the Oriole family that had a nest in its branches. Mrs. Harling, I said presently. I wish I could find out exactly how Antonia's marriage fell through. Why don't you go out and see your grandfather's tenant, the widow Stevens? 
She knows more about it than anybody else. She helped Antonia get ready to be married, and she was there when Antonia came back. She took care of her when the baby was born. She could tell you everything. Besides, the widow Stevens is a good talker, and she has a remarkable memory. End of chapter 2